and welcome to The Watcher's Diaries, a weekly podcast all about Buffy. I'm Mary. And I'm Froggy. And this week we're talking about season four, episode 11, Doomed. Hmm. So my mom sent me a really interesting article this week. A man basically saved his entire family. I saw that on TikTok. Because he refused to stop watching Buffy. Yes. Yeah, I saw I saw that video. It came up on my For You page on TikTok. And yeah, it was a great story, especially a story about men yeah. watching Buffy. Like that was something else that was that was cool about it. So yeah, so apparently what happened is there was a tornado like sweeping into his area. And at the time, it was just like the torrential downpour. And he was on the series finale. So he was basically like, fuck this. I'm not (laughs) stopping now because of some rain. Like the rest of his family goes out to like the cellar and they're like, dude, you're on your own. But while they were down there, a tree falls on the cellar door. So had he not been on the outside, they would have all been trapped. Mm -hmm. So like, you know, just remember kids watching Buffy saves Um, lives. I think I think I did. I think I did save that on TikTok. So I'll go on and I'll. I'll send that to you so that we can post it on our. Yeah, because we can <laughs> repost it. Yeah, because yeah, it's it is it's a very it, it it starts out very lighthearted. Like, oh, let's talk about the time that you watching Buffy save the family, <laughs> right? And I thought it was just going to be some sort of silly story, but no, he refused to go to the cellar with the rest of them <laughs> so that he could watch the series finale. <laughs> he had to know how it ended. Oh yeah, yeah. Yeah, good. I mean, good for him that he didn't die. (laughs) Crazy. I just I love it so much. I know we I know we we love to and especially we love to hear that everybody was okay. Yes, that is that is the most important part that everybody made it out. Okay. And and because he was watching Buffy definitely made sure everybody was okay. All right. Let's talk about this episode. Doomed, it aired January 18th, 2000. So this was our first episode of the new millennium. <laughs> oh, oh, God. Oh, yeah. Oh, my God. Oh, we all survived Y2K. We all survived Y2K. <laughs> so our synopsis is, while Buffy and Riley try to come to grips with each other's secret identities, it's business as usual in Sunnydale. Blackouts, earthquakes, and the possible reopening of the Hellmouth, the Slayer and the Commando must work together to battle a group of Varal demons bent on completing a ritual that could open the Hellmouth. You used Hellmouth too close together. There was in that too, yeah, there was, there was, yeah, there was too much going on there. Like you could have just said Mouth of Hell. It would have been the same thing and it wouldn't have sounded as weird. Yeah, yeah. I like Slayer. I like the Slayer and the Commando. It sounds like it could be like a cheesy supernatural romance <sighs> yeah yeah book talk let's get on that yeah yeah like and i'm thinking like old school 90s harlequin romance cover oh definitely definitely like, for- forget about all these fancy pretty covers that ya romances have these days we need to go back to the the times of, but she needs to be the one cradling him 
Oh, yes. Absolutely. Absolutely. Yeah. I wish I could draw. Right? This is when we need dark, like visual artistic we, we talents. Need, we need somebody we need somebody in our group that's not my husband. Because <laughs> I've already made him do some weird enough things for me. I just I just need his reaction when you're like, I need you to draw me a Harlequin romance cover. Yes, with with Buffy dipping Riley. <laughs> and like Riley being scantily clad. Oh well, absolutely. <laughs> All right, so what are our foreign titles? So our foreign titles this week in Armenian, we have Convicted, Czech, Interesting. End of the World, French, The End of the World, German, The Sacrifice of the Three, Ooh. Hungarian, Sentenced to Death, Interesting. Italian, The End of the World, Japanese, Ruin, Polish, Marked, Portuguese, Predestined, I like that one. Romanian, cursed. Spanish like from too. Latin America is the end of the world, and Spanish from Spain is condemned. I think I like predestined. I like the sacrifice of the three, but I can I do see like that one too. Yeah, because yeah. that that really describes what's going on, like going on in the the main danger plot. Predestined is good for Buffy, like because she's really going on in this episode with Ooh. Riley about how. This is her life, and she has her choice. We're going to talk a lot about Buffy this week because Mm -hmm. she's she's going through some stuff. This is this is um, what's my line levels of? Oh yeah, I'm annoyed as fuck. Actually, and I can see a little bit of. I'm kind of glad like we did this episode after we did the first two books in The Lost Slayer because I can kind of see her mood that she has in The Lost Slayer in this episode so i can it, it like again like we we can't it's the timey-wimey of those of that that book is a little weird but seeing in the context of what she is going through around this time and how things build up you can definitely see like where that attitude is coming from oh absolutely so we do get a previously on this week reminding us of spike's implant and the fact that buffy and riley now know each other's secret Or at least that the other has a secret. Then we're right back where we left the two of them in Hush, sitting in Buffy's dorm room and having the talk. I like how this episode picks up exactly where we left off with the two of them Mm -hmm. sitting across from each other. Or they would be having the talk once one of them actually speaks. Something Buffy says they should probably do before one of them graduates. Riley decides to take the plunge and ask Buffy what she is. A question that does not go over well. Capricorn on the cusp of Aquarius. Him. This is actually right. As Capricorn ends January 20th, the day after Buffy's birthday. Yep. See, fun fact. I am am Capricorn, but I am on the cusp of Sagittarius. I'm... Sagittarius on the cusp of Scorpio. Yeah, because yeah, the twenty. Yeah, because like you and me, we're the twenty second of our month, and that's when it. Which means you get you get the best of both signs. Yes, I did also look up the main traits of a Capricorn, and they are known as being ambitious, persistent, realistic, sensitive, and practical. Does that describe me? <laughs> it does. Yeah. Yeah, it really does. Yeah. yeah, like, yeah. <laughs> That's pretty much it right there. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) They're also thought to be the hardest working of the signs. Uh Mm -hmm. (laughs) Uh-huh. (laughs) Mm-hmm. 
And so I had a moment where I was like, well, does this really fit Buffy? Like, especially like realistic and practical. And I'm like, well, it does on her Slayer side. Yeah. And so that I thought that was actually kind of interesting. (laughs) And like the whole like sensitive, they were like, this could also read as touchy. Mm hmm. Which, you know, we're about to see. <laughs> yeah, yeah. No, it definitely it definitely works a lot for her. Riley does apologize before telling her that she's amazing. Her speed, her strength. Buffy reminds him that she has other qualities, which I get. Like, I had a moment where I was like, why is she getting upset? Mm-hmm. Because this conversation is literally about the fact that they're both demon hunters. Mm-hmm. So, like, Riley being like, oh, my God, you're the most amazing demon hunter I've ever seen shouldn't really upset her. But, again, maybe that is the sensitive part of her Capricorn nature. Yeah, and I think also you also have to take into account that we are coming, we are literally coming off of Hush. Yeah. So she is in a place right now. Like, she, you know, after we very rarely get to see one episode after another that really follows after what happened in the previous episode. So she's still in those emotions from everything that happened. And now she has to have this conversation with her boyfriend about, you know, the two of them being demon hunters, having this secret that the other didn't know. So yeah, I think she's, she might've been able to handle this conversation at a different time. Makes sense. She asks Riley who he is and he says she knows. He's exactly as he presented himself to her. But what he does, he can't tell her. Okay. Then Buffy will tell him. He's part of some military monster squad that picks up demons, vampires, even probably has some very official sounding names for them, like unfriendlies or non-sapients, <laughs> hostile subterraneans. Riley helpfully supplies said name. So he and his buddies take these HSTs and deliver them to men in white lab coats who experiment on them, doing all sorts of things, including turning some into harmless little bunnies. How's she doing so far? (laughs) A little too well. And then, by day, he pretends to be Riley Finn, corn-fed Iowa boy. Has he even ever been to Iowa? (laughs) Is Riley even his real name? Riley assures her it is, and that he was truly born and raised in Iowa. I mean, you can you can tell this kid was raised in Iowa. Like he oh, has yeah. he has Iowa written all over him. Before reminding her that he is not the only one that has been less than honest here. So I I absolutely love the shot of the two of them right here mm-hmm. because it accentuates just how very tall Riley oh. is. Oh yeah, and how very not. Buffy is. Yeah, yeah, how tiny she is. But also I like it too because again like she is the uh, like she's just such a tiny girl with so mm-hmm. much power and you know here he is he's just a big strong strapping corn-fed Iowa boy but she can do so much better than he is than he can. She could throw him over her shoulder. Sitting, Buffy says she would have thought a seasoned monster hunter like him would have figured it out by now. She's the Slayer. The look Riley gives her is completely blank. <laughs> yeah. And so Buffy continues. Slayer? Chosen one? She who hangs out in cemeteries? Riley's got nothing. Buffy can't believe it. She tells him to ask around. Look it up. One comma the Chosen. So she fights demons. Because she wailed on those guys. 
Buffy tells him he was pretty impressive himself. Yeah, but he's a walking bruise while there's not a scratch on her. Buffy tells him that he's not looking hard enough. And he tells her that he's looking pretty hard. This is this is another one of those moments that is so subtle. Mm-hmm. And yet I love it so very much. Because Buffy's scars aren't all physical. Yeah. What she's talking about is the toll being the Slayer has taken on her life. Her death, her near misses, the deaths of those she loved, the people she couldn't save, the having to lie to 80% of the people she knows. And also the fact that here is this, here's this guy who knows about the world that she's in, but they don't know about the world that she's in. Like yeah. all of their stuff is the the danger and the scientific like they they don't they don't know the extent of what the world is and like she said you know he needs to do more research to figure out you know they're just playing soldier yeah riley asks what do they do now and buffy admits she doesn't know she thought riley was just a nice normal guy he is a nice normal guy maybe by sunnydale standards (laughs) buffy thinks maybe they need some time the chance to process everything. Maybe then, before Buffy can get out what maybe happens after, Riley interrupts, agrees with her. Time is good. Okay, then. Time it is. Riley turns to leave, telling Buffy that he doesn't need to remind her. Not a word. His secret is safe with her. We can surmise he's about to make the same promise, but before he can, Amy starts going absolutely nuts (laughs) in her cage, making noises, scratching at the bars. Buffy and Riley both look over, trying to figure out the source of her freakout when the earthquake hits. The two run to take cover in the doorway of Buffy's closet. It's a short one, and Riley is just over the moon. That was his first earthquake. (laughs) Worried, and quite possibly having flashbacks to the night she Mm -hmm. died, Buffy says it wasn't hers. So, two things. One, the CDC actually does not recommend standing in doorways anymore. No. (laughs) They say you are safer under a desk or a table, but this is due mostly to, like, the modern build of houses, So Buffy and Riley were probably fine in an older California building that would have been constructed with earthquakes in mind. Yeah. And also like dorm, dorm buildings are very sturdy. Two, while it's true, animals do go a bit cray cray before an earthquake. No one really knows why. Yeah. Some think it's a survival technique, especially as a lot of underground animals such as snakes and rats will be seen emerging from their dens. And some things, some think it has to do with like the ionization of the air. But despite studies being done on livestock, mostly cattle, no one can say for certain why it happens. But animals have been known to react up to 20 hours before the quake actually hits. Yeah, that's that's a wild, it's a wild thing. Yeah, animals, animals and their ability to sense things is amazing. Like you thinking about the time that my friend my friend had my friend has service dogs to alert for seizures and one time we were in the elevator at the museum of natural history in new york and we were packed in with people and i don't like tight spaces and the dog she kept tapping my hand and i thought okay you know i'm just going to pet her well i realized after we got out of the elevator that she was alerting me to the panic attack. 
the same way that she would alert to seizures. So whatever, like the changes in your body. Yeah. Like it was amazing. Like it's amazing. Like it still amazes me. And it's been so long since that happened. But, and that me, somebody that she wasn't trained around, that she still caught on to pick up on it. Yeah. Animals are, animals are awesome. (laughs) Credits. Still awesome. And we should probably note that starting with this episode, Mark Lucas has been added to the credits. Mm -hmm. We return from the credits to Xander's basement of sadness, (laughs) where the quake has caused the pipes to leak right above Spike's recliner. It's the basement of sadness, and it is the Spike and Xander sitcom. Fetching a bucket, Xander tells him all he has to do is grab a wrench and tighten it up a bit. Him? Does he look like a plumber to Xander? No, he looks like a big mooch who doesn't do anything. (laughs) Besides, Xander has to get to work. Right, right. Delivering melted cheese on bread, doing his part to keep America constipated. Handing Spike the wrench, Xander tells him to remember whose job pays for the plasma. He needs to start pulling his weight, like fixing the pipe, tidying up, and a bit of laundry wouldn't kill him, unfortunately. Behind Xander, (laughs) he's going to hit Xander with the wrench. Until the chip kicks in and he gets a massive headache. Yeah, this, no, we were we were definitely robbed of like a spinoff sitcom. Yeah, this this the this is another one of those scenes where like I love great framing and cinematography. Just with Xander in the foreground and in focus, and you see Spike behind him raising. And he doesn't he doesn't say anything. And you can see the moment when he's just like, I am going to hit him with this. And then the chip kicks in and he's in pain. It's so I mean, this this is the creator at his finest with blocking and staging of sequences. Back in Buffy's dorm, Willow arrives right as Buffy is about to leave on patrol. Or so we can theorize based on the fact it's dark and she's holding a jacket. Willow tells her that she was in the library during the quake and so almost found herself buried under some 19th century literature. (laughs) We then get the perfect little Willow joke as she continues saying that she doesn't need to tell Buffy how hard that is to dig through. (laughs) Plus Willow. Oh, I love her. And I, I, I feel, oh, Willow, I feel so much for her in this episode. She asks if Buffy's okay and she says, yeah, aside from a few broken knickknacks, they're good. No real damage. Well, one of the other dorms lost power, and so they're dealing with it by throwing an aftershock party. Not surprising, considering this is the dorm that has also been known to throw a somebody sneezed party and David ends in Y party. Well, admits they're a bit generous with the milestones. She tells Buffy that she should ask Riley to go. Because, you know, lots of flattering candlelight. Not ready to tell Willow about earlier, and having promised to keep Riley's identity a secret, Buffy tells Willow that Riley's busy. Which is fine, because she has to have some one-on-one time with Giles. So, not patrol. Willow should go ahead. Concerned, Willow asks if everything's okay. Yep, totally fine. Which, of course, leads us into one of those great verbal transitions as we next see Buffy telling Giles that something horrible is going to happen. (laughs) Giles tries to remind her that earthquakes are not uncommon in Southern California. I love that he's sitting outside at that table. I know. I I like that we're seeing the courtyard more. Yeah, yeah. But Buffy reminds him that the last time one hit Sunnydale, she died. He knows that. He understands her anxiety. Oh, good, because she would hate for her horrible untimely death concerns to go unnoticed. Giles tells her that unless some other signs appear, 
that more than likely it was just shifting plates and not a portent of things to come. He thinks they'd be better off concentrating on their commando friends. Yeah, no. Buffy is trying to steer clear of that topic and so asks Giles, but what if it is a sign? What if it means something and they're just ignoring it? There's going to be a lot of red faces when the world ends. (laughs) Giles once again assures her that if an apocalypse is on its way, there will be other signs. Signs that will give them plenty of time to act. Now, he has reason to believe that the commandos might actually be headquartered somewhere under the school. Plague. What? What? (laughs) Buffy says, what if the end of the world comes in the form of a plague? And by the time they realize it, too many people are infected at Buffy. (laughs) Giles tells her to stop worrying about what may be and start worrying about what is, as they have a much more pressing question at hand. What's a slayer? Riley asks this of Forrest as they walk through Commando HQ. Forrest brings up the band, which he calls a ripoff of Black Sabbath. (laughs) And Riley says, no, not the band, a girl. With powers? Oh, the Slayer. Yeah, he's heard of her. But he sees it. She's kind of like Boogeyman for subterrestrials. <laughs> Something they tell their spawn to make them eat their vegetables and clean up their slime pits. <laughs> so then she doesn't exist? Forrest looks highly amused by this conversation. Is he bursting someone's bubble? Is this a bad time to bring up the Easter Bunny? <laughs> Forrest says it's all just a bunch of medieval bullshit thought up to explain the stuff they deal with every day. And how would Forrest explain the stuff they deal with every day? Animals. They're all just animals. Albeit a bit more rare than the ones he grew up with in Smallville. (laughs) That's a great reference. Yeah. Like, not, like, only speaking of, like, Riley's, like, all-American nature, but the whole theme Clark Kenting. Oh, yeah, yeah. going on. It's a great reference. I mean, and he, yeah, like, it's... Yeah, he has he has two lives. He is from a he is from the Midwest, and plus, it's also one of those references where even if you don't know Superman, mm-hmm. Smallville has Smallville just has an undertone to it. And also, I kind of hate Forrest's smugness about the Slayer. Ah, he's gonna eat his words later. Yeah, like I love I I do love Forrest, but. His whole mightier than thou thing about the medieval thing, like you're dealing with demons. And yes, you're like, you're just seeing them as animals, but they're demons. You need to open your mind up a little bit, Forrest. All of you. While they've been talking, they passed a few other members of the organization, including a soldier and a doc, both escorting a demon somewhere. Right after Forrest says they're animals, this demon starts to go nuts, attacking his escort. Riley and Forrest rush to help and also get attacked, Riley getting thrown to the ground. As the demon gives Forrest a chokehold, the doc rushes to prepare a hypo full of tranquilizer, but Riley gets there first with a baton, knocking him out. See? Animals. The demons slash vamps, it appears, have also been going nuts all day, just like Amy was. Okay, it's so like now this brings up the question of like, was Amy going nuts because like animals go nuts before an earthquake? Mm-hmm. Or was Amy going nuts because she's actually a witch and is in tune to the more magical nature like demons? Yeah, yeah. I actually, I saw it as a little bit of both. It probably is. Like, because she's in this animal body... You know, she has more of those animal attributes, but she's also a witch and she's yeah. and, and a powerful one. We go then to the party. Willow not really having the greatest of times. That is until she spots Percy. She goes over to say hi. She thought that he got a football scholarship to USC. He did. 
But Lori, the girl he's currently seen, goes to Sunnydale. She and Lori say hi, a little awkwardly. And then Percy asks about Oz. She starts to explain what happened, but Lori stands and whispers something in Percy's ear. You know, for a girl, we see all of like two seconds. I really don't like Lori. Oh, no, no. Just, you know, she kind of bitchy, you know, kind of snobby about the whole thing. And Percy loses so many points after this. Well, okay, so we'll talk about that because I, I think he- I'm going to give Percy a little bit of benefit. So hold on. Okay. Percy tells Willow they're going to go find drinks, but that he'll see her around. They then take off, leaving Willow all alone. We kind of scan the party at large, everyone wearing glow necklaces, flashlights in hand. A group congas through a door, and then right before it closes, a reptile-esque hand catches it. We learn who that hand belongs to a moment later when a guy who has been making drinks goes to leave his room and meets the demon face-to-face. The demon reaching out and slicing open his neck. Poor dude. Poor guy. All he wanted to do was naked limbo. Back in the main area, Willow is still waiting for Buffy to show when she overhears Lori and Percy. Apparently, Lori was a little jealous and is now accusing Percy of flirting with Willow. Percy says, no, not at all. She was just some egghead who turned him in high school. He likes his women hot. This understandably hurts Willow, and so she leaves the party. But as she does, I, I think that's Graham we catch a glimpse of. Mm-hmm. Okay, so here's the thing. I think that is Percy telling Lori what she wants to hear. Okay. Like, it sucks that Willow overheard it. Yeah, yeah. But I think it's the whole, like, no, baby, no, I never looked at anyone but you. Because we saw by the end that Percy genuinely liked Willow. Yeah. And he still does not know that Vamp Willow and Willow are not the same person. And he's terrified of Vamp Willow. So I 100% think this is him just telling Lori what she wants to hear. Because he was going to stand there and talk to Willow for however long. Yeah, if he knew knew that she was standing behind them. Yeah. He he probably would have freaked out and apologized. Yeah, because, yeah, we got to remember, he does not know that Willow is not the person who threw him, like, across a room. Yeah. So apparently, instead of just heading back to her dorm, Willow decides to head up to a random room. Yeah. A room which is pitch black, except for the very, very faint light of a few glow necklaces hung over things. She calls out to see if anyone is in there and then carefully makes her way over to the bed, laying down. The lights, of course, come back on then and Willow discovers that she is laying next to the body of the boy who was just killed. A symbol much like the all-seeing eye, carved on his chest. Okay, given the side of the bed she got in on, yeah. she had to literally climb over that body. How yeah. did she not know there was someone else on that bed? Maybe she thought it was a body pillow. Maybe. <laughs> I no, don't think I, so. This, this is another one of those we set things up for plot reasons. Yeah. Like, why, like, why did Willow go to this party where she didn't know anybody and where she... Knew she would probably be uncomfortable. Why did she go up to a random dorm room to lay down in somebody else's bed? It's just so that she could find this body. Yeah. Back at Xander's basement of sadness, Xander arrives home to find the basement (laughs) worse than when he left. And the pipe's still dripping. He starts to yell at Spike, but Spike tells him not to turn around, not to look at him. Of course, that means Xander's going to do just that. And so we see Spike, dressed in a Hawaiian shirt and khaki shorts. <laughs> Turns out he shrunk his clothes when he tried to do the laundry. <sighs> he needs new clothes. 
and blood. Xander needs to go get them. No! Spike is not a guest. (laughs) Yeah? Does he want him to tear the place apart? That's it. Xander is beyond done with Spike. And he hates to break it to him, but he's not the big bad anymore. He's not even kind of (laughs) naughty. He's just a waste of space. His space. And as much as he has loved seeing Buffy kick Spike's ass, and as much as he knows even he could kick Spike's ass right now, he's not worth it. So he's leaving. Rude, Xander. Rude. Rude, but you know what? Imagine having somebody that has to stay in your space for a super long time and they don't do anything to make it bearable. That's fair. You know how you get tired. I probably forget it though. You get tired of all of us in the house after a while. (laughs) (laughs) I'd forgive Spike though. At the dorm, the dead student is being wheeled out on a stretcher. Buffy arrives and Willow calls to her from the stairs. Buffy admits she didn't know exactly where the party was at first, but then she saw the lights and the cars and thought, yep, death, carnage, that's a Buffy party. Willow says she's glad she's there and Buffy asks what happened. Willow says she found him, was laying in the bed beside him, dead. Him, not her. She's not dead. (laughs) Buffy asks if it was a vampire and Willow shakes her head. There was a lot of blood and this symbol... And Percy said she was a nerd. Aw. <laughs> Percy called her a nerd? Buffy is appropriately outraged. <laughs> Willow says she Willow says she supposes they should go to Giles, make with the demon tracking. Buffy nods and the two of them start to leave, Buffy asking Willow if Percy even goes there. I now need a version of, like, the mean girls. Uh-huh. She doesn't even yeah. go here. Mean yeah. with Percy. Mm-hmm. In their own room, at their own house, Riley and Forrest are shooting hoops. Riley has apparently missed every single throw, prompting prompting Forrest to ask what's wrong. Riley says he's just trying to make up his mind about something. Buffy, she's cool, right? You can see it. You can just see it on Forrest's face. (laughs) The moment Riley brings it up, he's like, oh no, we're about to spend another night talking about this. He tells Riley that, yes, she's cool. She's hot. She's tepid. She is all temperature Buffy. Can they (laughs) please get back to the game? (laughs) That is the sign of a best friend that is so done with the same conversation (laughs) they've had. Forrest shoots, but instead of sinking a basket, he hits Graham in the face. As Graham has just arrived to tell them about the seriously dead dude found at the party. He couldn't get close enough to determine whether the death was caused by a demon, and so they refrained from rolling out a full unit. At least for now. Instead, Riley will go investigate while Forrest alerts Dr. Walsh, tells her that something could be coming their way. At Giles's, Willow says it made her feel like she was back in high school. Stupid jock. Xander says if it wasn't for Willow, Percy would still be in high school. Willow knows that this isn't what's important, given the whole dead guy, who she is just remembering was propped up. Like, the whatever it was wanted to drain his blood. So there's a chance they took a bunch of his blood with them, and she hasn't been a nerd for a very long time. <laughs> I really love how their conversations are going back and forth. It's like starting with Buffy arriving to pick Willow up from the party, back and forth between the real conversation about the demons. And also, I feel sad because this dude is <laughs> was being an idiot to me. Right. Hello. Dating a guitarist. Or, well, she was. Buffy gently urges Willow to tell the others about the symbol. Pulling a piece of paper from her jacket, Willow hands them a sketch she made of the symbol. She says it was carved into his chest. 
looking it over, Xander comments that it kind of looks like the CBS logo. Could this be the work of one Morley Safer? <laughs> so I had to look up who Morley Safer yeah, was. Yeah, did you? <laughs> yeah. And it turns out he was a Canadian-American broadcast journalist, reporter, and news correspondent for CBS. Mm-hmm. He is best known for his work with 60 Minutes, which he joined in 1970, its second year on television. He was with CBS for 46 years, Mm -hmm. retiring just a week before his death in 2016. Yeah, I remember that. Buffy says she's seen that symbol before. She just can't remember where. It's like Giles tells her it's the end of the world. Again? Xander aren't so much shocked as incredulous. Like, can they go a week without the world ending, please? <laughs> the first thing I thought was, yeah, I know it's the all-seeing eye, but I'm like, Bill Cipher? <laughs> I that it does look like that too. Giles says the earthquake was the first sign, and Buffy says she told him she said <laughs> end of the world, but he was all poo-poo, Southern California, poo-poo. <laughs> she, she is, is. she is. <laughs> This this is what's my line levels of Buffy Seth. He is so sorry. Maybe his contrition will dwarf the appending apocalypse. Giles <laughs> is a sassy Giles today. Every, everybody. Everybody is just sassy. Willow is over it. <laughs> Why is this happening again? <laughs> and Giles says it's the end of the world. Everyone dies. Okay. Yeah. But that's not really a response <laughs> to Willow's question she's looking for a cause not an effect (laughs) giles has a what can you do kind of thing going and buffy she grabs a crossbow saying she can stop it hell yeah she can (laughs) and of course the place she saw the symbol was the cemetery the place she spends most of her time because the symbol is over the doorway of a mausoleum something she calls a big freaky cereal box of death And I like that. It's a good description. Yeah. Yeah. It turns out there is a demon inside this particular cereal box of death hunting for the toy surprise, aka stealing something from a coffin. Buffy busts in and they fight, moving around the mausoleum and then back out into the cemetery. Eventually, the demon slams Buffy over a headstone, which let me tell you, I felt in my back. Oh, oh, God. Yeah. Like, I immediately tensed up. Mm hmm. But anyway, he slams Buffy over the headstone and takes off. She lays there for a moment before a shadow overtakes her. Prepared for round two, she jumps up only to find Riley, who is very impressed by her little flip move that she used to get up. Buffy wants to know where the demon is and Riley says he's gone, that he took off towards the woods. He didn't follow? No, he has no weapons, no backup. You don't go after a demon like that alone. Buffy says she does. Riley proceeds to call base and fill them in, telling them to prepare for a briefing. Something Buffy says is very commando-y. She does take a moment to make fun of his call sign, though, which, fair, seeing how it is lilac. She asks what he's doing there, and he says, looking for her. She who hangs out in cemeteries. Right. Well, Buffy has to go get that demon. Riley tells her not to worry about it. They'll bag it. It's not that simple. She, She can't do this. Do what? talk any of it she can't do it she's done this before and the risk it's too great he knows nothing about her life he knows but he's dying to find out yeah dying it it's doomed okay and she can't do doomed again (laughs) we can all agree buffy's having a bit of a ps ptsd moment right yeah she's yeah 
Yeah, everything that any anytime she tries to get involved with anybody, yeah, I you, you can't blame her for being a little upset. <laughs> yeah, Riley doesn't get it. Doesn't get where this is all coming from. They clearly like each other, and it's not like they don't have stuff in common. It's not enough, isn't it? Riley says he likes her, likes her more than he has ever liked anyone, likes her in a skin humming sort of way, and he doesn't want to frighten her or force himself on her. But he's also not giving up and walking away just because something might not work out. As he steps closer to Buffy, she steps back. He tells her he doesn't know what's in her past, but death, pain, apocalypse. She sums it up for him. Does he know what a hellmouth is? Do they have a fancy term for it? Because she went to high school on it for three years. They are not the same. This is a job to him, an adventure. But to her, it's destiny, something she can't change, can't leave behind. Riley tells her she's not in high school anymore and that things can change. But while he's trying to be understanding and helpful, he's not getting it. Nope. And he can't because one, he doesn't know the extent to what Buffy is talking about. Doesn't know she died. Doesn't know a slayer is called only because their predecessor dies. Mm -hmm. And two, at the end of the day, what he does is a job. He can walk away, retire, sign a thousand NDAs. Mm -hmm. Like when you leave any top secret government facility. And she really does have a good point about how it's an adventure for him. Like you, whenever you see them fighting and the way that they do things, you get the distinct impression it's a bunch of boys playing soldier. Yeah. Like, it's it's not even so much of like, you know, when, when you're in the military, you know, you know the, the distinct danger, but this is something different. This is, and especially with the way that they view, like, we have a secret identity. This is our life. You know, this is so cool. Yeah. And how like, most of the, and like the commandos are all men. Uh-huh. Yeah. And yeah, they are. Yeah. The scientists are women. You know, there there's male scientists as well. But yeah, I mean, I don't think we see a female commando. No, we don't. Not until Riley returns. And that's yeah. because then he's working for the actual military, not. Yeah. But yeah, no, I, yeah. In the, but yeah, in this whole secret organization, it's all a bunch of men yeah. playing soldier. This whole thing like broke my heart because like, especially when Buffy walks away crying, because this is like, obviously PTSD. Mm -hmm. This is her thinking about what happened last time. Scared it will happen again. If not this apocalypse, the next one, she's going to die or he or someone else is going to get killed. She literally carries the weight of the world on her shoulders. Something we are going to delve into so much more next season. Oh, Yeah. It's a huge thing. Like, I did not expect to spend Thursday morning, like, crying over Mm -hmm. this episode, but there we were. Yeah, it's, and especially, like, every, like, everybody in the Scoobies, they understand what she is and what her life is. And they do what they can to help her and work with her and make it a little less difficult for her. Well, now here's this guy who knows, again, who knows about this world but doesn't know how heavy it is and doesn't yeah. know that there are people in this world like Buffy who they don't have a choice. Yeah. You know, Buffy thought when Kendra showed up that she could maybe walk away, let Kendra be the slayer. Yeah. And it also is kind of like thinking about Kate in Demon Hunting Soccer Mom. 
you know, <gasps> she realizes that this is, I mean, granted, she doesn't have the calling like Buffy has, but when you spend enough time in this world and you know the dangers out there, you can't just walk away. You have to. Which makes Kate really interesting. And like, I I now want to talk about that more and, and hopefully we'll soon have a new book and we can talk about mm-hmm. it then. Because Kate falls like perfectly in the middle of Buffy and Riley. Yep. Because like you said, this is not like a destiny. Allie is a destiny. Mm-hmm. Allie is a de- Yeah. Especially Allie is a destiny. Yeah. Like sh- sh- there's no escaping everything that mm-hmm. led up to make Allie so that she can be this mystical warrior. Yep. Yeah. But Allie, Allie and, would be. Yeah. But Kate and Eric, they had a chance to turn down this training. Mm-hmm. They were allowed to retire. Technically, they were able to leave it all behind them, but you make enemies and Eric, sadly, was manipulated as part of this thing. So they weren't able to escape this, but they do. They fall perfectly in the middle of the two of them with their worldview. Mm-hmm. I just I was like, oh, look, look at everything fitting together. Yeah, yeah, and I mean, like, this isn't a, this isn't a sacred duty and calling but because they know that this is the world and they understand, like, they just can't sit s- still yeah. and let it happen. Like, you saw that especially, like, with Laura when Kate was, like, afraid Laura was going to move away. And she's like, well, my moving away isn't going to stop that these things exist. Mm-hmm. I know what's out there now. Yeah. And and I love, and especially, like, Laura is like Willow and Xander where yeah. they were brought into this world. They can't do the same things that, you know, Kate or Buffy can do, but they do what they can as backup. Yeah. Oh, so oh, good. I know. We need a new book. Julie. We need a new book. Back at Giles's, the gang is in full research mode. Giles finds a picture of the demon in a book, and he and Buffy, alternating, read out the description. Slick like ghoul in gird and moonlight, father of portents and brother to blight. Limbs with talons, eyes like knives, bane to the blameless, thief of lives. At headquarters, Riley's description is a bit more technical. <laughs> All height and weight, hazards and patterns. It definitely highlights the difference between his and Buffy's worlds. They believe the demon to be a normal kill for the hell of it demon. But Buffy and company... They know the demon wasn't digging up the bones of a child for fun. Well, most of them know. Xander does remind us that demons have a pretty wacky idea of fun. (laughs) Which reminds me, where's Anya? Oh, yeah. I mean, I know Emma wasn't a series regular at this time, but World Ending Apocalypse seems like an odd time to have her missing. Yeah. It was like all those times in season three where it's like, the entire town is involved in this thing, and Faith is just like nowhere to be found. Yeah, yeah. It was just, it was a weird episode to have her missing in. Yeah. <laughs> anyway. Uh, she's just like, I'm gonna fuck off now, I don't care. Willow remembers seeing the bones of a child somewhere. She grabs one of the books and flips through it, landing on an ancient ritual, the sacrifice of three, something that takes the blood of a man, the bones of a child, and something called the word of Valios. But that's it. That's all they know. The book doesn't say anything about how the ritual is performed or what exactly it does, other than, you know, end the world. Sacrifice of three. So three people are going to die? Nope, because Buffy's going to stop it. Make sure their new demon buddy doesn't get his hands on the world of Valios, assuming he doesn't already have it. They have no idea where he's been. The initiative does, though, because apparently this guy has some pretty strong pheromones, and they get traces of it at past locations. 
Turns out he likes crowded areas, dense populations. He's not shy. And so they're going to go out in cities, weapons stowed in packs. This is not a capture. It's a kill. Buffy says she'll check the magic shop, see if they've heard of the word of Valios. Meanwhile, Xander and Willow can check out the book archives at the museum, see if anything turns up there. Got it. Xander says they'll make a pit stop at his house on the way, grab some weapons and change into something not so anchovy scented. Buffy warns them to be careful. She doesn't want anyone getting hurt. I had completely forgotten about this next bit, probably because I was waiting so eagerly for the end of the episode, which is my absolute favorite Spike (laughs) moment in the whole series. Yeah, oh yeah, yeah. But yeah, Willow and Xander stop by the basement of sadness to see that Spike has rigged up a stake (laughs) so that he might stake himself. They walk in right as he's about to take the plunge, telling Drew that he will see her again in hell, which surprises him enough that he completely misses and breaks the table. Willow wants to know what's going on, and Xander immediately puts it together. Spike tells them to back off. It's none of their business, and Xander says he's wrong. For one, that's his shirt he's about to dust. And two, Spike should have trusted him to do it for him. Willow scolds Xander, but he just says what? Spike wants to die. He wants to help. Willow says, no, it's Spike. They know him. They're not going to let him just off himself. Oh, it's fine. They absolutely can. After all, he'd drain them drier than Sahara if he had the chance. He's beyond pathetic now. Not even remotely scary. Willow says that that's not really a fair assessment because of the shirt and the pants. Plus, she knows he can't bite. While Willow and Spike have been talking, Xander's been loading up on weapons. If he breaks anything else while they're gone, he's sleeping in the garage. I have a question. (laughs) (laughs) What do Xander's parents think of Spike (laughs) being there? I mean, they have to know, right? You know what? We've already established that Xander's parents are inattentive and just don't give a fuck. Right, but they seem to notice, like, every time Anya's over, or, like, when now Giles wasn't an outlier. Giles is a very attractive, older parent-age yeah. man. But, like, they seem to notice every time Anya's over and, like, send messages through her. They have to hear Xander talking to someone. Like, Look. what do they think is going on in the basement? Look, I I try not to think about Xander's parents that's fair. It does make much. us angry. It makes, yes, because it makes oh, me very Just wait till angry. we get to season six. Oh, yeah. Because let me tell you, my my opinion on Hell's Bells is the unpopular opinion. Because <laughs> I do not blame Xander for what happened at the end of that episode. Not with what he was shown and what happens in that mm-hmm. episode. But mm-hmm. we'll get there when we get to six. Oh, yeah, yeah. We, we still have to get through some parts of season five. Oh, season five. Oh, yeah. Somebody somebody brought up a certain episode, how that was the next one. And I'm like, oh, no, I am not looking forward to having to cover that episode. Oh, oh yeah. yeah. That one's going to be hard. It's going to be. Yeah. Willow says they can't leave him. They're going to have to take him to the museum with them. It's fine, really. He's not going to try anything else. He feels much better. Willow and Xander just reach out and drag him along, telling him to cheer up. They don't find what they're looking for. The world is going to end. Really? They're not just saying that. On the mean streets of Sunnydale, Buffy runs into Riley, who appears to be doing something that to Buffy looks like playing a video game because she asks if it's really the best time for Donkey Kong. (laughs) He was actually reading pheromone levels from the creature. And either it's mating season or that thing has been all over town. They're quiet for a moment and then Riley starts to say something. 
He's immediately cut off by Buffy, though, who says she needs to go. Big bad. Needs to be squished. Yeah, he knows. He's on it, too. But this thing, this him and her thing, it's stupid. It is. Yeah. And that's why it can't be. No, she's being stupid. Buffy looks at him and he immediately backpedals. But yeah, good idea. Only then he unbackpedals because he thinks she is being stupid. That her doom and gloom mentality isn't helping anything. Oh, Riley. Wow. Buffy starts to leave again, saying there's nothing more dangerous than a psych grad student. (laughs) But he's not done. All this, everything they're doing, just thinks it means they're even more perfectly matched than they thought. She's a fry cook. And (laughs) so is he. (laughs) True. But he's an amateur fry cook (laughs) and she comes from a long line of fry cooks that don't live past 25 it's kind of funny how this scene how many times have buffy and the gang been talking about this shit without using metaphors yeah no just in the middle of the the road in you know in class and you know in restaurants and in everything and now having this conversation with riley now they're using coded language yeah see That right there. That's what he's talking about. And isn't that all the more reason to have a little fun with it? Fun? (sighs) The last person she knew who thought that is in a coma because she had so much fun on the job. Look, this isn't a nine to five for her. This isn't the kind of thing where at the end of the night, you leave your worries at the office and snuggle with your honey. Why not? Because she tried that multiple times and it always fell apart. And at the end, she was left with the uber evil. Riley says, welcome to the world. Things fall apart. But the way people get through it is together. They pull each other through. Maybe if she wasn't so self-involved, she'd see that. Oh, Riley. Riley, Riley, this would be a good time for you to leave. This this would be a good time for you to stop talking, Riley, because you're not understanding what she is trying to tell you about her life. Hurt and kind of pissed, Buffy tells him that he has no idea what he's talking about. He barely knows her. He knows it's not just the job thing, that there's probably a guy, some good looking guy who did her wrong. He knows that she probably wants to stay down in the dark place because maybe it's safer down there. Seriously, Riley, just stop. Yeah, Riley, Riley, you you need, we're going to hand you a shovel because you're going to, You're digging yourself deeper. Buffy tells him he is so out of line, but he doesn't think so. They have an opportunity there, the two of them, but she's too scared to give it a try. Seeing as he's getting nowhere, Riley says fair enough and finally walks away. So kind of like the initiative, I, this perfectly illustrates the very subtle toxic masculinity that runs through Riley and how it is a systematic societal kind of toxic masculinity because this whole conversation while framed as concerned and and riley coming from what he believes is a genuine place of concern Mm -hmm. is also riley mansplaining her feelings to her oh yeah yeah and failing to recognize that there is something so much deeper there and she's told him she's given him hints hellmouth death pain apocalypse doesn't live till 25 in a coma and he picks up on none of it Mm -hmm. doesn't ask about it just tells her she needs to push past it she doesn't she needs to work through it and those are two very different things Mm -hmm. oh my god yeah it's it's just like oh right like and buffy is trying to explain to him her point of view about this whole thing and he is completely like he like 
she could sit down with him and give him her entire history of everything that she's gone through. Yeah. That this isn't a game. This isn't something fun that you get to do on the weekends, you know, something to do after class. This is real life. This is her life. Yeah. I mean, th- yeah, this this is just demonstrating the prob- the whole problem with the initiative. And again, all the commandos are men. Yep. Leaving the museum, the three have failed to find anything related to the word of Valios. They couldn't even find a syllable of Valios. Spike's okay with that, though, as it means he is one step closer to the end. Willow doesn't like that, doesn't appreciate that talk. Okay, so he can't kill. There's other stuff he can do. He'll adjust, adjust, and end up like the two of them. No, thank you. Xander knows they should have just left him. Spike says they should be more than glad to greet the end of days. Not like either of them have much going on. (laughs) Xander's stuck in the basement while everyone else's age is going off to college. And Willow, she couldn't even keep Dogboy happy. (laughs) Willow says she knows what he's doing and it won't work. He's trying to get them to stake him. He's not. He just doesn't want pity from geeks. More useless than him. They're not useless. They help people fight the forces of evil. Correction. Buffy fights the forces of evil. They're just her groupies. She'd do just as well without them. Better, actually, since she wouldn't have to worry about saving their hides. That's not true. They're part of the team. She needs them. Or, Spike counters, they're the same 10th grade losers they've always been, and she's too much of a softie to cut them loose. While Willow and Xander struggle to find a comeback, Spike walks away smirking, so maybe he can still kill with his words. He was a (laughs) poet, after all. That Spike and Buffy are both going through it this episode. Yeah. They're oh, yeah. both struggling with their identity. Buffy is feeling how hard it is to be the slayer and be part of the world at large. And Spike, Spike is wondering who he is if he's not the big bad. We'll see a couple of good parallels between the two of them throughout the series, including one I wish they had mentioned, and it makes me so mad that they didn't. But we'll talk more about this and what it means for their relationship as we go on. I just like that they're they're both having a time together. Oh yeah. Back at Giles's, he has found the word of Valios. Turns out it's a talisman, one he unfortunately <laughs> has in his possession. Giles's expression when he figures that out is just priceless. <laughs> and I love how he goes through this jewelry box. Yeah. Like, it's not even kept in a safe. It's not bound. because well, no, he says he thought it was a fake. Yeah, like, it's just... He grabs the talisman, meaning to take it away from his house when he is attacked by three of the demons. Three. Huh. That could be important later. Mm-hmm. How did they get in, though? I mean, I know demons don't have to be invited, but they came from the interior of Giles's apartment, which means you'd think he would have heard a window breaking or something. Look, Giles was too concerned about the fact that he had this talisman just in his jewelry box. Okay. At the sound of Giles being pummeled, we skip ahead a bit to Buffy returning and finding him bleeding on the couch with Willow, Xander, and Spike looking over him. Well, mostly Willow and Xander. Spike's chilling in the armchair. Giles blames himself. Should have known better. He bought the talisman at a sorcerer's estate cell. Didn't think much of it. Thought it was a knockoff. Well, now they have it. And probably their three sacrifices as well. Giles confirms that they're on their way. On their way where? Did he find out what the ritual does? He did. Yes. And as it turns out, it opens the Hellmouth. They're going to try and open the Hellmouth, as in the one below the library. This is all of Buffy's worries and fears coming true. She's silent, stoic. And then with a glance to Willow and Xander, she says, she guesses they're going back to high school. (laughs) 
and back to high school they go, right into the charred remains of Sunnydale High, which Buffy remarks doesn't look particularly stable. That's fine by Spike. Then they all go under. Why is he there? Buffy is very confused. It's not like he can fight. Lois says if they leave him alone, he'll stake himself. And? (laughs) Buffy wants to know why that's a bad thing. Whatever, it's fine. Just keep him out of her way. As they approach the library, Spike mocking Xander a bit more. (laughs) Xander steps in a pile of mayor meat. (laughs) And if you look closely, you can see a trophy on the floor. A trophy that was originally supposed to be part of a cut scene where Willow steps on it and you see that it's none other than Catherine Madison, still trapped and still present. Oh man, that would have been great. They reach what once was the library and find the three demons chanting above a small hole in the ground. Willow remarks that she doesn't see any potential sacrifice victims and Buffy says they have to be there somewhere. The ritual isn't finished yet. Nor is it going to be. Buffy jumps down, disrupting them, and the others follow. Well, Willow and Xander follow. Spike sits on some makeshift stairs. The three of them take on the demons as they try to grab the bones, the blood, and the talisman. Xander gets the blood and Willow the bones. They kind of pass them in between until Willow tosses the bones to Spike, which he does not want, as now the (laughs) demon is coming for him. (laughs) Xander fends off the demon he's fighting, trying to keep him from getting the blood, when the demon just stops. Stops and jumps into the Hellmouth. <laughs> Xander has exactly half a second of thinking he won before the earth shakes and he realizes the demons are the sacrifice. They can't let them reach the Hellmouth. <laughs> and so Buffy keeps wailing on hers, and after getting hit a few times, Spike decides the pain is worth it and hits his back. Only there's no pain. Not even after he does it a second time. <laughs> Turns out he can fight demons. This is amazing news to him. And he begins wailing on the demon, putting all his pent up energy and frustration into it and just having the bestest time. Oh, he is. He is having he is having a good time here. He is back. He lifts up the demon, throwing them into the Hellmouth, not hearing Willow and Xander warning not to do that. <laughs> As they stare at them, he says, what? He was helping. Buffy's still fighting the last demon, the school now shaking around them. He was he was not helping right, as he we was say. he was helping very <laughs> wrong. And so she tells Willow, Xander, and Spike to get out before the building comes down around them. She's got him, or so she thinks, stabs him through the heart, but he just keeps coming, which is when Riley arrives with the assist. He joins the fight, and she warns him not to let the demon jump into the Hellmouth. If he does, <laughs> the world is through. They tag team the demon, get him down, but with his hand wrapped around the talisman, he crawls towards and into the Hellmouth. That's when Buffy says she's going in. Attaching a cord to her, Riley says, she's coming back out. And she does, dragging the half-dead, soon to be fully dead, demon with her. Riley's beside her in an instant, and the shaking, it finally stops. They meet up with the others in the hallway, and Riley tries to make some lame excuse about just passing by and thinking he heard people. Willow's got him, though, saying he was just passing by in his G.I. Joe outfit. (laughs) Buffy tells him no offense, but he does look wicked conspicuous. That's because he was playing paintball. Yeah, paintball. And then the aftershock, and so he's one of the commando guys. Xander decides to just say it. What? Commando? No. 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 He's, hey, doesn't he know him? Him, of course, being Spike, who's been doing his best to stay out of sight behind Willow and Xander. (laughs) Him? Spike shakes his head. Nope. No, sir. He's just an old pal of Xander's. It is. Blows my mind every time that that is James's real 
accent. That's like, what that is what that man actually sounds like, and I can't. I know because uh, when we were we were watching it last night, Kevin looked over at me and he was like, "So is that what he really sounds like?" I'm like, "Yes, that is that is exactly what he sounds like." They leave, Xander remarking that it's weird to be back. Yeah, it kind of is. Everything seems so small and kind of charred. The next day, Buffy heads over to the frat house to see Riley, who is shooting hoops again. As she comes in, she says he didn't call, and so she didn't know if... He's sorry. He's just been... He's a dead man. Done. Here he is, trying to be sneaky and shit. Then one (laughs) night, it just all goes to hell. He should have just given them all his security code and rank. Wait, he has a security code and rank? No, no. See, he's done. End of the world. Coming closer and looking very amused, Buffy says, no, not end of world. Not even close. And then she slides into his lap for some kissage, which takes us to the end of the episode. (laughs) And my favorite bit, we're back in the basement of sadness, Xander and Willow watching TV when Spike interrupts. He switches off their show, telling them it's not very industrious, just be sitting around watching telly when there's evil still afoot. (laughs) No, no. He thinks they should go out there and kick a little demon ass. What? Can't go without their Buffy? That it? Two chicken? Let's find her! She is the chosen one after all. Come on! Vampires! Urgh! Nasty! Let's annihilate them for justice and for the safety of puppies! And Christmas, right? Let's go fight that evil. Let's kill something. Come on. <laughs> Best thing ever. Just like, the safety of puppies and Christmas. I'm pretty sure I use that all the time for reasons. Oh, yeah. Yeah. And like to go from where he was earlier trying to fall on a stake that now he realizes that I can fight demons. I can fight the bad guys that I normally would have teamed up with. I can get all of my aggravation out. Yeah. He's got a purpose again. Oh my God. (sighs) The end. (laughs) So just a few tidbits about this episode. One, this episode actually has three different writers attached Mm -hmm. to it. David Fury, Marty Noxon, and Jane Espenson. This episode was originally assigned to David and he would have written it all himself. Except it came about the time he was getting married. And so he was taking some time off. Of course, Marty, Jane, and the creator were all also at his wedding. And apparently at one point, Jane just left the dance floor (laughs) to go right. Yeah. (laughs) Also, I can't find an explanation for why. Maybe it was bad initial quality or maybe he was like sick. But a lot of Anthony's lines were redubbed for this episode. Yeah, I, I, saw, th- I saw that when I was doing my own looking yeah. into it. Yeah. Like, I didn't notice it. Like, no. some people say it's noticeable. Like, the audio sounds cleaner, like, compared to, like, Buffy's dialogue in the same scene. But, like, I didn't notice anything. Yeah, I... Oh, <laughs> all right. I love this. That's episode. it for this week. <laughs> Thank you all for listening and make sure you join us next time when we take on season four, episode 12, A New Man. Until then, check out our various social media channels, all of which will be listed in the show notes. And if you like the show and you want to let us know it, you can subscribe, rate and review wherever you listen to your podcasts or write to us directly at thewatchersdiaries at gmail.com. Bye! Bye!